the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including reviews, industry news, and everything in between. As per usual, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Demon, and I'm joined as always by Shane Reeves. How are you? I'm doing very well, Trey. I'm having a great day, just kind of relaxing, looking forward to this cigar in my hand. But before we light up, I want to introduce our guest tonight. The guest tonight is someone that I've been really wanting to have on the show just because he's living the dream and doing what we've all thought about, which is uh, someone who's about to become a shop owner. Uh, We are very lucky to have uh, Mr. Austin Huff with us today. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, it's... It's very exciting that you'll be taking over what is our home shop. And regular listeners know we speak very highly of our home shop and what it takes to have a good cigar lounge and very relaxed. So really looking forward to talking to you and finding out, one, about you yourself when you got into cigars. Trey and I know that. We want to share it with all the listeners. Um, your flavor, your taste in cigars, the flavors you like is a lot different than what Trey and I standardly go for. So it's great to have a third voice. But before we get started with that, before I let your third voice speak, we got to light up some cigars. So Austin, uh, talking about your palate a little bit, why don't you go first and tell us what you're smoking tonight? All right. I'm going to be smoking the La Imperiosa by Crown Heads. It's uh, one of my favorites from Crown Heads Company located in Nashville. It's a very good, medium, full-bodied cigar. has a lot of really dark earth and peppery finishes to it. Um, just a good after-dinner cigar. I thought you weren't a big fan of pepper. <laughs> True. <laughs> Normally, I have not been a big fan of pepper, but my palate has changed uh, over the course of a couple months. Uh, and that's something for the listeners. Um, your palate changes pretty regularly um, in the cigar world. And I... Personally, I'm somebody that didn't really enjoy pepper for a long time, so I stayed away from cigars like the La Imperiosa, uh, Le Bijou by My Father Cigars, another very peppery blend. Tennessee uh, Waltz, famous. Tennessee Waltz, of course. Opus X, uh, that you know, pepper spice with it. I just, it didn't really suit my palate very well. But I'm branching out, and trying new things. It's 2017, so <laughs> let's uh, light up and enjoy, right? All right. So, Trey, what are you going to smoke with us tonight? I am going back to the staple stables to one of my just absolute go-to cigars that I got put on recently because I was in a shop that had nothing good to smoke except for this cigar, and now I've remembered how much I really enjoy it. And it's the Perdomo Habano Sun Grown. I am a huge fan of peppery flavors, of spicy flavors in general, and I think a Sun Grown wrapper really gives me that, and... I can't think of anybody who does a sun-grown wrapper better than Perdomo. Perdomo is a really good company in that their cigars are always consistent. They may not be, um, depending on your palate, they may not suit you, but one thing about it, you'll know it every time. The Perdomo is so consistent. And, you know, one of the things that the Perdomo family talks about a lot is the fact that they, from seed to shelf, you know they hand, they make every single piece of the of the puzzle, except for the cellophane, is done in house with the Perdomo family. I mean, they make their own boxes. It's their own tobacco. It's everything. Labels and and you know it's just a, it's a testament to how much passion they have for the industry. It's the fact that they want to go so deep into it. it's not about making a cigar, but it's making a cigar that tastes good. Cigar after cigar, it's consistent, it's quality, and it looks good. And, and you always know what you're getting with one of their stuff. 
No, I totally agree. The Perdomo series is uh, one of the staples in the industry. Uh, the family is makes amazing sticks for many years. Um, I'm a bi- I'm a big fan. As as Trey said, the Perdomo family, everything's done all in house. It's a family owned business. Uh, I I appreciate that style in the industry. Uh, so we don't see that very often nowadays. Um, but they're, they've been a staple in the industry, and they're consistently growing and great customer service. And I have nothing bad to say about your cigar choice, Trey. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Let's see if we can find something bad to say about yours, Shane. What are you smoking? I'm smoking the Rocky Patel Private Cellar. It's the purple label. The, um, our local Rocky rep, Heath. Heath is a great guy, and he said he has no trouble selling these in LSU country. <laughs> <laughs> But I rarely choose my cigar based on the color of the label. I usually look at at least the wrapper and get somewhat into it. But really enjoy this. It's a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, which as dark as it is, you would never you never ping it as Connecticut. But it is a Nicaraguan cigar, and I'm I'm a big Nicaraguan fan. Excellent. Well, while you get that lit up, um, so Austin, we had you on because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you're doing what I consider to be, you're living the dream in terms of, I know I started smoking cigars well over a decade ago. And while being a rep was my dream job at the time, it quickly evolved into owning my own shop. And I know this is something that um, you've been thinking about for a long time. So why why now why pull the trigger now um well that's a good question i've been uh active in the industry now since i was 18 years old really i'm uh, 24 years old now and uh it's just a passion of mine that i just developed um when i went to college i loved smoking cigars um uh, my, my dad he was a big cigar smoker as i was growing up he was a two cigar guy get a day uh, just about every day, and just the the smell and everything got me uh, uh, wanting to really try it. And I remember my very first cigar that I smoked. Uh, it was a Padron uh, 4000, and this was oh, back. Oh, that's such a good cigar. It is. Uh, a very good cigar choice, and immediately got me addicted to the Nicaraguan side of cigars. Uh, I've always had a deeper palate for uh, darker-flavored cigars, a lot of Nicaraguan blends. So that was... Luckily, I got uh, a good choice for my first cigar, and I just got hooked to it. I I remember the flavors that I had in it, that cocoa nuttiness that I never experienced in anything before with food. It was just so different. Um, So I started going back to my local cigar shop, um, smoking. As a lot of people, um, when you find something that you like, you stick to it. So I smoked a lot of them for a while, and then eventually uh, wanted to branch out. So I started branching out and... Uh, for all different kinds of cigars, really got into Perdomo for a while, really got into um, Rocky Patel series, uh, Fuentes, of course, um, and just grew my knowledge and passion for cigars. And uh, in 2013, I got my first job in the, at a cigar shop, um, one of our local cigar shops here, and I just fell in love with it. I loved working with it. I loved working with all the different people that come in, the clientele, the reps. Just it's it's unlike any other industry. It's such a family style of business. Everybody is so, especially here in the South, everybody's very 
communicative and very close with each other. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you know, the uh, you know, the Perdomo family is being really, you know, I mentioned on last week's episode about, or a couple of episodes ago about how the cigar industry is a people industry first. And right. you mentioned Fuente as being another great example of three generations of people who are, you know, leaving a legacy. It's more than exactly. just the product on a shelf. This is, uh, this is the legacy that they're leaving behind. And I think, uh, I, I think that shows up not just in the, uh, not the retail side or not just in the manufacturing side, but in the retail side as well. Right. Right. No, I totally agree. Um, I, I'm all about, uh, family stores, boutique shops. Uh, I love all different kinds of cigars in the industry and, Eventually, I wanted to do more in the industry, so uh, I started looking for my own cigar shop um, and really pursued uh, a specific one, and unfortunately, that didn't work out, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise because uh, it really showed me another side of the business uh, with there's certain people that <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people that know there's, there's people that don't belong in the industry. They, they, don't, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't do... Uh, they don't, they don't set up a good shop for people. But what I love about the industry is so many different cigar shops can be in all these areas, uh, especially where, where we are located. And all of them have such a different atmosphere, a different vibe. It's, it's unlike any kind of bar scene. It's so different. And it's just something that I really love. So when you talk about the atmosphere of a cigar shop, and you start speaking about it. I have noticed every cigar shop you go into kind of has a personality all its own. Do you think that's established by the customers or by the owners? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think that when an owner opens a new store, whether he starts from scratch and, you know, they, they kind of set up their environment. Like there's a, a cigar shop in East Nashville that has its own vibe to it. It's it's a very different kind of cigar shop. Um, it's as unique it, as the neighborhood that it exactly. That it's, built it's a in. perfect spot for where it is, and that's what I really appreciate appreciate about the industry on the retail side is that there's a home for everybody. There's all different kinds of people that uh, really love cigars that can be all around, and that's what I I just love that it's such a family style community and. Uh, is there something that you look for when you're going into a shop, maybe for the first time or trying to find a home shop or something like that? My first thing is, is when I do, especially when I'm traveling and I'm looking at a different store or thinking about locating my new home shop, uh, it's all about, I mean, product with me. Is if, 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 there's, if there's an owner that's not willing to uh, work with its customer to get product in that you know, I want, then I don't, I don't want to be at a place that doesn't want to support me. I want to, I want to be at a place that feels like home, a place that I can go in, you know, find a good cigar without question and just atmosphere wise. Uh, my personal atmosphere is I love to drink beer. I love cigar bars. I love, uh, cigar shops that serve beer and liquor. And, uh, I just love the camaraderie between, people and customers and uh, the whole side of it so well and it's i really value when i'm looking for a cigar shop 
when I run into the person that's owning it or the manager, whoever it is, their honesty. You know, I was in um, Alabama, stopped at one of my favorite cigar shops down there, and noticed in her humidor she had no Padrones. Right. And I just asked her, I said, why are there no Padrones in this humidor? And she said, I'm not messing with the Padron distribution. She said, they frustrate me, they aggravate me, it's hard to. I can't provide consistent cigars to my customers through their distribution channels, so I don't carry them. And it didn't bother me that some of my favorite cigars weren't there because she was very honest, very straightforward. And I really appreciate that when I go into a cigar shop. And so that kind of brings me to one of my questions that I really want to talk to you is, you know, I I realize you haven't actually taken over uh, the shop yet. And so much of what you're experiencing is still the pre-planning, which is also why we're being a little vague at the moment. But I wanted to talk about some of the frustrations or the challenges that as as someone who's who's taking over an existing shop that you're experiencing um, at least what you can talk about right um it's it's a weird feeling man um i mean i'm I'm only 24 years old and uh it's always been a passion and dream of mine to do and once the opportunity presented itself i i just went after it and um I love cigars. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I will say as the resident old man of the group, I've known you for several years and you always you can tell you were raised right. You always treat people with respect. I've always felt welcome when you were behind the counter and you've always treated people with respect and that goes a long way. I mean when I'm looking at cigar shop and I'm getting ready to you know, drop 15, 20 bucks on a cigar and spend a couple hours of mine and my wife's time there enjoying it. That's, that's huge. There's, there's no substitute for that, for someone that's going to be polite, somebody that's going to know your name, somebody that's going to shake your hand. I just, I can't tell you how much that means to me above and beyond any cigar in the humidor. I don't care if they're selling Padrones for four bucks each. If I don't feel welcome in the shop, I'm not going to come back. And that goes a lot to, you know, the owner of the shop is, is a, has a big um, role to play in terms of setting up the expectations of how people behave in that shop. Uh, I've been in some shops that had some of the wildest, most unruly crowds you've ever seen in your life uh, that had an owner that was just the most reserved and quiet person. So it's not always a, a mirror of that, but it's sometimes it's just a matter of, of again, what the environment and the, the geographical region kind of lends itself to there. Now, Austin, as we start talking about this, boutique brands of cigars, I see some shops that seem to get really heavy into the boutique brands, almost to the exclusion of the more national brands. And then you see some that are completely national brands and don't have as many boutique. How do you balance that out? Uh, I think it's about location and what your customers are uh, interested in. Um, I, I personally, I'm a big fan of both. I have a very diverse palate. I smoke a lot of stuff from boutiques to big name brands. And I think a good balance uh, is having what your customers want with boutique like boutique brands kind of pop up and are popular for a while and then they go away i mean that's kind of the downside 
as far as on the retail side with ordering boutique brands is because boutique brands can sell well uh, for a while, but they don't have the their disadvantages. They don't have the name recognition of a, a big time manufacturer or a big time uh, cigar uh, company. So uh, I think just having a good balance between the two is all about how your customers are. Like for for how my how I'm set up is we, we are a pretty big boutique brand at the store that I'm acquiring. Uh, I mean, from brands as Tatuaje, Illusion, um, the Roma Craft line. Uh, we sell a lot of crown heads. We have a lot of big boutique brands that sell very well. Um, but you always have to have the, some of the big stuff in. You're always going to have that one guy that comes in the store that's going to want you know, a Macanudo that's going to want a Cohiba that's going to want a Arturo Fuente. So you want to be able to provide for both sides of, uh, for the customer. And Fuente kind of, for me, Fuente kind of, even though they are one of the most recognizable brands in the industry, they still operate like a boutique. You know, the, the passion and the quality and the care that they take into every step. Um, that's one of those brands that I, I don't smoke just a whole lot of their product because it doesn't really fit my palate. Uh, but the the care and the construction that goes into every one of those uh, sticks that they make makes it a great bridge for the guy that's been smoking Macanudos and Monte Cristos and things like that. It's a great bridge to hear something with a story. And then from there, you go into Crown Heads and you talk about their story. Or you, talk about, or you go to Roma Craft and talk about their story. And it kind of... I don't know. Maybe I was a poet in the bath, in a past life or something. But <laughs> but to me, that that part of it really is part of the experience for me. Knowing your palate, I think, is the single most important thing a cigar smoker does. You have to build that, and you have to build what you like, what you don't like, and you also, like you spoke about earlier, you have to be ready for that to change. Um, it's gonna mine changes with the weather more so than with any kind of physical things going on in my life, but knowing your palate can't, can't express enough how valuable that is. So as we're moving through this, we, what is your earliest cigar memory when you first turned 18? Is it the Padron 40? That the, the Padron 4000 is one of the, the, is the first cigar that I remember smoking. Um, but, uh, the very first cigar shop that I'd ever been in, was a cigar shop that's uh, rechanged name and re- under new ownership. It was called Old Havana, and uh, didn't have very pleasant memories going to that store. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, a lot of people in the area that that know the uh, previous owner of that establishment, it, uh, it just wasn't run very well. Their humidor was very limited. There wasn't a lot of comfortability. As we talked about earlier, I didn't feel welcome in that store. I didn't feel like I could sit there and whether it was doing work or meeting with people to uh, catch up and be friends, um, it just wasn't a very good store. So I didn't have a very good first experience with a cigar shop, but luckily when I went to college, I started going to a cigar shop in Green Hills called Uptowns. And... uh, I just loved the atmosphere that it provided. Uh, I was treated very well there. Um, their selection was amazing in the departments of both cigars and pipe tobacco and pipes. Uh, I'm a big 
pipe fan as well. Um, I, I'm a big tobacco fan in general. I smoke everything with tobacco, but uh, that's mainly my first memory that I can think of as uh, far as with shops. Well, and we'll come back to pipes because this is the cigar cast, but I, I also love a pipe. There's times when a pipe fits my timetable better than a cigar. There's times when I can smoke my pipe, and you turned me on to Mario Grande's, which I ordered two of them. I have loved those pipes. I'm Great. just now getting them well broken in. And we'll come back to that. I want to come back and touch on that. Um, we're getting ready to come up on our break. We're going to take a few minutes, puff on our cigars, and relax. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit about pipes. Let's also talk a little bit about what your plans are. Coming into a store that's already has an established clientele, what are your priorities? Where do you start? Where do you go to from there? The Cigar Cast presents Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week. This week, I want to talk to you about how to treat the employees at a cigar shop. I'm a big proponent of taking care of the people behind the counter because they take care of me. They're there working, they're there trying to make a living, and they're there trying to enhance my experience. If an employee spends some time with me in the humidor really talking about what cigars they like, what cigars they don't, that's really important to me. That's the sort of thing I want to encourage. I love when an employee comes to me and says, hey, we just got these in. Let's give them a try. So treat these people with respect. They're there trying to earn a living. They're there enhancing your experience overall, and they're there to take care of you. If your cigar shop allows tipping, ours does. I always leave a tip. If not, just shake their hand and say thank you before you leave. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves. I'm sitting across the table from Trey Deadman, puffing on his Perdomo. Welcome back, everybody. And we are uh, joined by Austin Huff, who is a great friend of both of ours, but also uh, a gentleman who is embarking on the great adventure of starting his own shop. And, and Austin, one of the questions that we want to ask every single one of our guests that we have on is, what's your desert island stick? If you could only smoke one cigar for the rest of your life, what would it be? Well, I'm sure most people's response to that question is... Uh, do I have one company or do I have one specific cigar? But uh, mine, I would say, for a single stick would be the E.P. Carrillo La Historia. Um, it's one of my absolute favorite go-tos, the only, one of the only cigars that I've been going back to consistently over the course of the year, uh, long period. And I just appreciate its complexity. It's one of the most complex cigars that I've ever smoked. Uh, the best, in my opinion, the best cigar that they've ever made. Um, I would agree with it's, that. It's just a great, meaningful-bodied flavor. Has that rich cocoa nuttiness to it as well, but develops into a nice sense of spice. Um, so if I had to smoke that, you know, for the rest of my life, I think I'd be doing okay. One of the things I love about that cigar is that it doesn't pack a wallop. You know, it's it's probably medium on body, but it's full flavored. You know, it's it's one of those that you get something different out of it uh, every time you smoke. At least for me, you know, if I smoke it after dinner, I'm gonna taste flavors that I that I wouldn't, depending on you know what the meal was or or Absolutely. what else I've done to blow out my palate with coffee or whatever the rest of that day. 
And it's just really complex in that way. And the, really, the only downside of it for me is the fact that it's a pseudo Brock's press. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's one of my guilty pleasures. I'm a big box press fan. Uh, most of my go-tos now are uh, box press sticks. Uh, I'm that I'm that guy that's been on the box press train, and I'm running as long as possible. So, <laughs> what is it about it that you like so much? Um, you mean the cigar? Or just, well, the the box press just oh. derailing the train um, a little bit here. Just the box press. It, it it's just I love the way that it smokes. Uh, it smokes much more evenly, in my opinion. Uh, when you get it lit, uh, it's just I like the way it feels in my hand and my mouth. Um, it's not the flavor really that's so much different uh, that I really enjoy. It's just the the process, the the maintenance with it. There's very little times that I have to touch it up. Um, any kind of box press. There's very little times that I'm worrying about draw or going to have plugs. Uh, just I prefer the, the way that they smoke now. And So do you punch or do you cut your box press? See, I'm somebody that it depends on the cigar because it depends on what kind of tastes I want to feel that day because uh, one of the things that my opinion is on cutting a cigar is you get you can get different flavors depending on the cut of your cigar because the airflow uh, can depict a lot of those flavors. So when you punch a cigar, uh, for example, if you smoked, uh, if you were punching a very spicy, uh, full-bodied cigar like an Opus X, that's a cigar that when you punch it, you're not getting as much airflow. So you will get a little bit of that spice. You won't really get that sp- spice and pepper bomb from it and uh, so overall, I would say, though, as far as your question, it's I would say that I, I punch and V-cut most of mine because uh, I prefer uh, a tighter draw on my box press. Um, but it's all personal opinion. Well, see, my number one problem with a box press is I always feel like they burn too hot. So I usually end up punching them to try to control that airflow to keep right. them from burning so hot. So I was wondering about that cutting them Seems like you just really open it up, and I feel like I'm holding a torch, like I should be raiding Dr. Frankenstein's castle. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, I'm a, I personally, I'm a, I smoke really slow, uh, so I, I don't really run into that problem that you do as far as it smoking really hot for me, um, because I'm the person. If you're a 45 minute robusto, is going to take me an hour and 15 minutes because I just I smoke very slow. Uh, I take a couple puffs. I typically am talking or drinking a beer with my cigar. And, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I don't run into that issue, but I totally understand. And a lot of people I know run into that issue. So what's your feeling on large ring gauge cigars? Cause this is a oh. debate between Trey and myself. I love a lot large ring gauge Trey, not so much. Well, I personally am not a huge ring gauge fan. Uh, it hurts my jaw, uh, for it just, it's too big of a smoke in my mouth. And I just don't like the way that it feels. And it's not comfortable for me. But I do think that big ring gauge is really uh, coming up in the industry. Um, there's a lot of companies that are built making a lot of big ring gauge stuff. I mean, everything up to 770s and 880s, which are very, very large, long cigars. Um, and it's, just, it's not my thing, but there's definitely a market for it. 
so I'm going to probably have to side with Trey on this one. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Myling unto myself yet again. <laughs> so, so getting back to kind of one of the, the main points that we brought you here for, which is, you know, the shop that, that you're getting ready, ready to take over is, is so I, I want to kind of hear what your plans are because you didn't take the, the route of starting a place from scratch. You went with an established shop with an established customer base, uh, demographic, regulars, uh, its own atmosphere and kind of personality. Um, so I want to kind of, and, and also as someone who previously has um, spent some time in the shop on both sides of the counter, I want to know what you're looking for in terms of how it's going to be different and, and how you're going to approach the challenge. Uh, I have big priority items and small priority items listed out. Um, you know, I won't go into too much detail on the small stuff, but uh, some of the big stuff that I plan on improving and in changing within the store is just inventory. I mean, the first thing, first order of business is get up there, set up contacts with all the vendors, um, start ordering product that I know my clientele and customers want. Um, and, you know, my goal is to have the best customer employee relations in all the cigar shops around. So I'm going to be working very hard into uh, trying to achieve that uh, amongst myself and my staff. But first order of business is to get the humidor up to par, get in all a lot of restocked inventory that we no longer have that customers either aren't coming in more for because they know they won't have it or they... you know, it's money. It's money that we that I can't make if I don't have it. So, first order business is inventory, and uh, next is is my first three month plan is to redo the floors. The floors in the shop, uh, as a lot of people can attest to, are just really old and ruined. I mean, that that floor hasn't been buffed or resealed at all in six plus years. It's been a long time those floors have had any kind of maintenance and there's holes all in them from the previous uh the the humidor was torn down from the previous owner and built a new humidor so i just want to really improve the atmosphere of the store for the customers Uh, i'm going to be putting in you know a lot of time and money into improving that for the store i'm going to be bringing in new furniture that's more comfortable and that's not uh you know depreciated to hell uh there's a lot of furniture that's just really rough um, I plan on, uh, yeah. So, so w- when you talk about furniture, I mean, that's one of those things that I think is as unique to the shop as the people in it. You've got some shops that you can walk into and it's, it's basically a living room, you know, it's couches and small groups. And then you've got others that are set up more bar like, and some that are set up for people to come in and, and work, you know, remote employees working through lunch and things like that. So when you talk about new furniture and stuff, obviously comfort's a big thing, but what is your vision for how the shop's going to appeal to the people that are going to be sitting in it? Um, I think, especially with that store and the type of clientele that we have, it's good to have a mixture of both. It's good to have high top tables uh, with comfortable chairs for customers to come in with their laptops or papers paperwork and all and be able to come into like a second office and do work uh that's a lot of our daytime business is around around lunchtime and we have a lot of people that come in around lunchtime that work in all forms of a lot of music business people that come in 
Uh, we have a lot of people in IT that come in that work on their computers and uh, st students, a lot of come in. So uh, I kind of want to have a furniture-wise and comfortability. I like to have best of both worlds because uh, we do have both that kind of clientele. We have a lot of business that comes from customers with work, but we also have a lot of customers like ourselves that come in there for a place to just come in and relax after work or in my scenario, my work. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I plan on just getting nice, uh, comfortable chairs. Um, I, I've never been a big fan of the couch idea in a shop. I think that it's, it's very too close and personal. It's very awkward. Uh, everyone has their opinion on that, but mine is, is just, it's very, uh, it's too close. It seems like every shop that I've ever been into that utilizes couches as a form of seating, you know, let's say there's room enough for two people on that couch. There's only ever going to be one person on it right. unless it's the last seat available because no one wants to get snuggled up to a next another burly man. Exactly. <laughs> I've got two words for you. Leather hammocks. <laughs> this is what... The, this Isn't is that the, kind of bar, Shane? Yeah. <laughs> This is the future of the cigar industry, leather hammocks. We hang them from the ceiling. We all come in, get our hammocks, stretch out, have a cigar. Just trust me, this is the way to go. You heard it here first. Shane's going to be uh, patenting his new idea on uh, cigar cots and cigar hammocks and, and uh, cigar shops. <laughs> the world's first BDSM cigar lounge. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wasn't taking it down that road. I'm a, I'm a huge hammock fan. Right. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, but now I just want to have a nice atmosphere for both uh, that side of the clientele. So uh, I'd probably stay away from the couch and the whole snuggly side of the industry and get more <laughs> with the professional side and business and just comfortable chairs uh, for people to come in and relax and uh, enjoy a good cigar. And you mentioned that when you're looking for a, a shop for yourself to enjoy that you are personally, and, and I've shared this on a previous episode, also a fan of being able to enjoy a beer or a drink with, with my cigar. Is that something you're going to be able to offer to your clients as well? Uh, yes. Uh, there's still, uh, you know, I'm still in the early stages. There's still a process that I have to go through as far as permitting, but yes, the plan is to serve beer to customers. Um, Thankfully, the, since I'm buying into an established store, it does already have uh, a two-kegerator system with up to 14 beers on draft. Um, and we also keep a non-alcoholic on tap just for the people that don't like to drink. But it, it's not so much about that gross sales that much. It's just uh, there's a lot of customers that come in that might live in a different area that have a closer shop that want to go to a place that has beer or liquor or... Uh, some form of drink for them to come in and feel uh, relaxed. So there is that part of the the, the business to um, consider. Let's talk about accessories for a moment. Um, one of the things that I do feel like our home shop lacks in is accessory selection. How much real estate in a shop can a person really dedicate to accessories? It really depends on... Um, your cash flow and uh, how, how well you think uh, accessories will, will turn. Um, since we've been so out of the accessory department at that store for such a long time, um, I'm going to ease into it. Uh, I'm going to have a very limited supply of uh, cutters, lighters, uh, humidors. Um, 
But overall, the plan is to really get the accessories back on track because... From an upsell standpoint, that's a great opportunity to make extra cash on on sales that would normally be cigars only, but it's a great way to... Um, to increase your your ticket prices, well, right, right. Um, so the since we have so little to offer, uh, I, I don't want to tie up a bunch of cash into that right now. But my plan is to have a bunch of accessories available, um, contacting companies like Vertigo and Calibri uh, to set up, um, you know, nice cutters and lighters, and uh, Rango and Phillips and Kings to get pipe tobacco the pipe selection back on track and uh, just have stuff for customers that they need like uh, pouches for their pipe tobacco or a, a, a travel humidor there's a lot of requests for people coming in for travel humidors that want a nice five or ten count that they can travel with and not have to worry about keeping the humidity of their cigars so uh, that's why i plan on uh, improving as far as the uh, accessory department so now it's time for me to put you on the spot here we go. I've looked forward to this the whole show. <laughs> I, I pick on Austin a lot, but I love him dearly. He always is taking excellent care of me, as I've said before. Well, you know what they say. If you don't pick on somebody, that means that they don't like you. <laughs> so, single lady comes in the shop, says, my boyfriend smokes cigars. I want to get him some. What do you put in her hand? Uh, well, that's a very bloated question, Shane, the way that you worded it. <laughs> no. Um, I... I want to try to walk them out with, uh, of course, as much as possible. Um, luckily, a lot of uh, the good thing about the industry is is uh, there is a lot to offer for somebody like that to come in uh, to keep handing them new product for them to try, whether it's cigars or the travel humidor or a cutter and lighter combo with them and a humidor. Uh, there's been plenty of uh, customers I know that come in and they might look for one or two things. Uh, cigar wise and they'll end up walking out with a humidor cutter lighter just because people really grasp and love the idea of uh, cigars so they really uh, go balls to the wall as far as buying stuff and that as a as a former accessories rep in the industry I, I can tell you from my experience it seems like there's two different versions of shops when it comes to that side of things is that people that either dedicate zero real estate or way too much. Right. You either get the lighter heads, the, the accessory nerds, or the people that say, eh, they'll bring their own or they'll use the house. I don't have time for that. I'll put it, that money in the humidor. Right, right. And uh, there is people that do that and uh, believe in that. I, I, it's not a huge problem. Um, I, From personal knowledge and experience, I think that at least having a limited selection for customers is a must-have because you don't want to have a bare minimum. You don't want to have a bare nothing uh, because you don't want to turn away possible business that might upset a customer that comes in that is buying cigars and they want to have a cigar or a, a cutter or a lighter with their setup. It sounds like you've really got a great business plan together, and part of our business plan here involves a cigar under $8. We're coming kind of to that point in the show that I always like to stop for just a moment what we're doing and talk about a cigar under $8 to be able to give to our customers. So uh, this week, this uh, is a cigar that, that I'm a big, big fan of. And 
We always try and give our guests the opportunity to suggest the cigar under $8, and it just so happens that Austin and I had the same idea tonight, which is the A.J. Fernandez New World. Uh, This is one of the few box presses that I like, Uh, but it's just a terrific cigar that you can actually still find under 6 uh, depending on the size that you choose. Uh, what is it that, I mean, I know that sprang to your lips when we were talking about it earlier. What is something, what is it about that cigar that you like so much? Um, I just enjoy for the, the price point on it and the, the complexity that you get in such a smoke. Um, it's unlike the Connecticut myself. I'm not personally a big Connecticut fan, and that's one of my go-tos when it comes to Connecticut's. There's very few that really... Uh, speak to me and when i first smoked that it it's it has that rich creamy buttery light finish that you get in your uh, connecticut shade cigars but you also have the this slight notes of uh cocoa and spice that keeps you interested um and like this uh toastiness that you get with it that's something that i really enjoy about it and yeah. uh and the, and the New World actually comes in two different varieties, which is the Connecticut and then their original release, uh, which unfortunately I don't have that information in front of me to know what wrapper that is. But with both of them, I find that you get really a lot of spice without it being overpowering. At least that's what I like about uh, the cigars, that it, it really, whether you're a novice or a light smoker or someone who's got a much heavier palate, uh, such as you and I do, it, uh, it it's something that everyone can enjoy. Uh, That's a great cigar under eight. I've not smoked that one re- very much. I think I may have had one or two in my life. I will say one of the things that drives me crazy in a cigar shop that probably shouldn't, and I want y'all's opinion on this, I hate to go into a shop and they say, here it is, the Avo whatever or the Drew Estates whatever, and we're the only shop for 200 miles you can buy that. Well, great. I'm in South Georgia. When's the ne- If I love that cigar, when's the next time I'm going to be able to get my hands on one? <laughs> um, th- does that bother anybody else, or is that just my personality? Well, unless you're talking about, like, Paul Grimerian, uh rarely is that statement true, first of all. Uh, but I... I find something, one of the things when I go to a shop for the first time, I always ask for a, a cigar that they have that no one else does. So part of my experience, think of it as a souvenir for a trip, is getting a cigar that I can't get anywhere else. Right. No, I, I, I totally agree. When I visit new, a new shop, uh, I'm always wanting to try something different. Uh, I smoke a lot of different brands, and anytime I have the opportunity to try something new, uh, I, I go after it. So uh, the New World, when I first tried it, um, was just such a unique smoke that it, it really spoke to me. And I feel bad that Shane hasn't had a lot of opportunity to smoke it because it is uh, a very unique smoke. Well, that's the wonderful thing about doing this podcast. One of the earlier episodes, Trey introduced me to a Don Pepin Blue. I'd never smoked one. Now it's one of oh, my wow. go-to. Oh, it's a great smoke. Yeah, that's... One of my favorite cigars that my father makes. It's so great. And every it was one of the first real cigars that I ever smoked. And it was funny because we were talking about, unfortunately, that uh, episode will never see the light of day. However, <laughs> um, we will definitely bring it back and do a review later on. Uh, but it, ever since I introduced it to him, I've seen him smoke probably four since then. Yeah, four or five of them at least. I've really, and I like that it's of sufficient quality that it can stay lit while I play poker. 
because usually when we're playing poker, I'm dealing or there's a lot going on with my hands. So I don't want a cigar. I have to constantly be relighting. So we are about to run um, into the end of the episode, but we've teased it a couple of times, and I do want to just at least touch on it a little bit because we've talked about palettes changing with the seasons and things like that, and you've talked about the accessories you want to bring in. I know you're a very big pipe guy, and this is a cigar podcast, of course, but those two things really do go hand in hand. Um, so in terms of you know what makes you choose to pick up your pipe over picking up your uh, a cigar on a particular day, what are the kind of thoughts that go into that? Is it just a mood thing, or is there something that you get out of one that you don't get out of the other? Uh, what I think about pipes, when I, when, when I really am craving a pipe, and it's, it's one of these weird subconscious things that pipe smokers will tell you, but when it's cold, when it's in the winter or late fall and the weather's starting to get cold, there's nothing like having that warm, nice pipe in your hand and smoking it. Uh, a good, the good thing about a pipe is you can, you know, smoke some of it and come back to it later. You know, it's not like a dedicated hour or 45 minutes you can say for a cigar. It's something that you can pick up and smoke a little bit here and drive around and uh, keep smoking. So my, the time that I really bust out a pipe is around this season, you know, when it's starting to get and sub-freezing temperatures, uh, I want something that's going to keep me warm. So a cigar doesn't really stay hot in your hand, and a pipe does. So it's just a different kind of smoke, um, something that I really, really like. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a pipe aficionado as well, but, I mean, I do. I own over 18 different pipes. Uh, I own a lot of boutique pipes as well. Uh, I'd love uh, the craftsmanship in them and just the different kind of smoke that you get in it. I will say when I first started getting into the pipes, Austin is the one that taught me how to pack my pipe. And do you remember how you taught me to pack my pipe? I pack did. My pipe? I did. Are I, you a campfire I, guy? I know. I used the I used the universal uh, method that a lot of people like to use. It's uh, called the shaking method. It's when you're shaking your baby's hand, shaking your mama's hand, and shaking your daddy's hand. So when you pack a pipe, a lot of the problems that people run into is. It won't smoke evenly, or you'll plug the hole and you won't be able to get airflow, uh, or it, it won't stay lit. I mean, that, there's this is what turns a lot of people off from a pipe is because they they aren't familiar with the method, so they don't know how to smoke it. So one of the things that I learned at a young age was the shaking baby, shaking mama, and shaking daddy's hand. So when you pack your pipe, you want to do it in those three levels. Uh, the reference is that. The shaking a baby's hand is when you put in just a little bit of the pipe tobacco. And then your second layer is when you're shaking your mama's hand. You're going to put it in there a little bit firmer, but not real firm like you're shaking your dad's hand. And when you put the third layer on is is it is you're shaking your dad's hand. And what that does is when it's uh, it makes it even because uh, you have it loose on the bottom. When you press it down from the top, it pushes all that pipe tobacco together to where it's all even all the way through. Um, so I... All, through all my experience and all the different times that I smoke, it only takes me really three or three or so lights to keep a, a pipe lit to smoke it all the way through as long as I'm tamping it properly and maintaining the uh, um, heat, the the, the tobacco lit. You're yeah. smoking it, yeah. So. And, and I've got to say, one of the reasons I've got a pipe and I've, I've smoked it a few times, and one of the reasons I never really stayed is because I have just the devil of a time keeping the thing lit. 
So, but I've never actually heard that because it makes sense because you're going to tamp it throughout the entirety of when you're smoking it. Right. So that initial really light pack is eventually going to compress as you smoke through it. So that's that's how about a top tip on a on pipes on a cigar podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember him sharing that with me, and when I went home and started packing my pipe, and then. I ordered some Mario Grandes, which I've loved. I have one of olive wood, and I have one that's a more burl-type wood. And that technique has always yielded great results for me. I've always been able to smoke my pipe all the way down. Now, are you prepared for the question that people are going to call you with every day? Uh, which question is that? Are you open? <laughs> Do you have Cubans? Oh, of course, of course. The classic uh the classic uh, question that a lot of cigar shop owners and employees in general deal with on a regular basis. Um, I'm sure that's a factor that'll be uh, involved, especially with uh, trade relations opened up with Cuba now. You can bring back up two, two boxes worth of Cubans now. Um, and that's something that is political that is still in the early stages. Uh, we don't know if it'll ever become retail use. If it, it does become retail use, I'll be more than willing and happy to start selling it. But uh, no, we do not sell Cubans is always the correct answer, uh, at least right now, according to the law. <laughs> well, Austin, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. We are running into the end of the episode, and I do want to thank you for coming on and kind of sharing your story with us. Uh, I'd love to have you back in about six months or so after you've had some time to settle into your new role and and have a little bit more of a, a taste of what it's like after the fact so that you can, you know, so that we can kind of compare and contrast with what you thought it was going to be versus what it is and, and how, how, uh, how great the industry is treating you. Awesome. Yeah, I really look forward to it. And thank you guys for having me on today. Uh, it's been awesome. Um, and uh, I look forward to the release of it. Excellent. Well, uh, Shane, uh, as we're wrapping up, why don't you let everybody know uh, if they do have questions for Austin on his return visit or for us in the meantime, how can they get that information to us? You can always get a hold of us by email at info at thecigarcast.com. You can go to our website, thecigarcast.com, to hear episodes and to hear previous episodes. We're available on social media at facebook.com slash thecigarcast, on Twitter and Instagram at thecigarcast. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.